0: views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity.
1: Hello and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Battier This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. I am recording here at NAEP. We are live for those listening and not live for those listening to the recording. I always mess this up. It's always very confusing, but I do want to give a big shout out, a big thank you to Caterpillar and Nape, Where Deals Happen, for the podcast pavilion where this episode was recorded. Caterpillar oil and gas can help build the future of energy with more power and less harm. Bringing experts together to deliver the right outcome, we can help configure implement and optimize the right power solutions that the world is demanding. Simply put, Caterpillar oil and gas has what tomorrow takes. Now I am here today with Sean Jump. Sorry, I gotta pull up my notes. I am here today with Sean Sean Jump, partner at SIA Partners, and Alexis Carousel of Appian. Thank you for being on the show. We are going to talk about modernizing the AFE process and what that means for oil and gas, what that means for energy transition and how this is ultimately a a better solution to the current standard process. So thank you, Sean and Alexis, for joining me on the show today. Let's have you both do an introduction to yourselves and your companies. Alexis, let's have you go first.
2: Great, thanks so much, Joe. Good to be here. Um, So, yeah, I work with Appian. We're a tool to automate uh, any business process. So a lot of flexibility in what we do, um, which centers around connecting disparate data sources and systems that companies use today in a manual capacity. So we help automate that and remove those manual tasks, connect the data and enable better decision-making and better visibility across core business processes. Um, so really happy to be here at NAEP. Uh, we've worked with uh, with OGGN in the past and have a partnership with SIA Partners and Sean here. Um, like I said, we can automate any process, so we often rely on uh, organizations like SIA to guide kind of what are the industry's biggest challenges and how can technology address those.
1: Great. Thank you for that introduction. And now, Sean, let's hear your background and a little bit about It's SIA Partners, not SIA Partners? Not SIA. And one
3: one quick correction, I'm not a partner at SIA Partners, I am a managing director, so I don't want to get crucified by my partners when they hear that. (laughs) Thank you, yes, managing director. Not partner. My bad, sorry. No, all good, all good. Um, It's great to be here, it's great to be on the podcast with OGGN and also in partnership with Appian. Uh, Appian and C Partners work together a lot in the market, especially in oil and gas. And so C Partners is a global management consulting firm. We have 3,000 people globally. Uh, We've got an energy practice here in Houston where we focus on energy transition, we focus on uh, emerging technologies like quantum annealing, and a big part of our our practice is related to automating business processes, part of that being with, with Appian. Um, I've been in the industry for 20 years. I started out in construction management. My background's in mechanical engineering and nuclear engineering, and then uh, transitioned into professional services after my MBA at Rice University. I've mostly been focused on research and analysis and implementation of emerging technologies for big industry problems. So how do you manage debt financing for a big oil and gas company? How do you manage that while creating green energy and hitting your compliance records How do you manage bringing in a good technology and managing change around bringing in technology? And so there's a lot of those areas that we focus on from the strategic perspective and then also from the implementation side.
1: That is, that's exciting to hear about because it it starts with understanding the management and being able to basically understand the process and make the process itself more efficient and then going that next step with automation, with Appian, and going from understanding the best way to do the process to now making it faster and more automated and more digital. I wanna start a little bit, I guess, a little bit further up because we're focused on AFEs here. And first, what does AFE stand for? Because I'm I'm a geologist, I'm in the ground, and, and I do a lot of subsurface work. And There may be others out there like me that don't know AFE. So let's hear it from from one of you. What is it?
3: Yeah, so if you're in the the dirt, if you're a rock jock, you are uh, light years ahead of where the AFE sits. The AFE is really at the very tail end of all of the analysis of the production reserves that you could have. It's a financing instrument that you use to actually fund the drilling, completion, and production of a well. So AFE stands for authorization for expenditure. Um, It's one of the most used practices within an oil and gas company to move things from budgeted area to actually be spent. And so it involves accounting, it involves engineering, and it involves upper management. Those three parts of the organization speak wildly different languages. You'll have engineers and geologists that want to create an AFE that's got 100,000 line items on it. You've got accountants that want 200, and you want management that wants four. And so getting everyone on the same page and having a unique AFE process for each one of those three unique groups that speaks their language is a transition for the industry that's happening
1: now. Wow. And I can see how complicated that can be when you start off with a very granular, every individual item, every individual thing that you're putting in down to kind of very, very large buckets of labor, equipment I'm buying, travel expenses, or whatever big, big things there are. And of course, we're talking about money here. I think it's important to point out that right now, inflation, commodity prices, everything's kind of going through the roof. And it seems like a little bit, a little volatile, a little out of control. How do you see the industry reacting to these high commodity prices at the moment? Uh, That's a great question. Uh,
3: To sum up the answer, I would say differently. (laughs) Usually in oil and gas, when commodity prices are high, everyone is incentivized to drill. They want to hire as many drilling rigs as they can, they're bringing in contractors, they're expanding their business, they are getting people in tax, legal, accounting, finance, engineering, everybody's hiring, all at the same time. And what tends to happen over time is when commodity prices are high, you try to capitalize on it. But everybody tries to capitalize at the same time. And so your SG&A costs for just running your business alone tends to eat up all the profits you would expect to make in a high commodity price environment. And so you see this cycle dating back all the way to the early 1900s in the oil and gas industry that commodity prices go up. Everybody hires, you get more contractors, you drill more wells, you get more invoices, you hire more people to pay more invoices. What is different about this high commodity price cycle is that the spike in drilling rigs and that the spike in production activity, specifically in the United States, has been very, very, very slow to respond. Usually it's almost instantaneous. And now you're seeing big players like Exxon and Chevron and Shell step back, take a breather, let the profits roll in from their existing production, manage that production more carefully, tweak it where they can, but they're not deploying a huge number of drilling rigs. They're not poking holes in the ground like they would in a previous cycle. And I think that's really related to the fact that so many of these companies have loaded up on debt, which relates back to the AFE process. How much are you spending? Who's coordinating that spend? Uh, What's the profitability of that spend? That AFE instrument is the, the linchpin for that process for how you spend the dollars in the most profitable way. And so big businesses can do it really well or they can do it really poorly. If they're doing the AFE process really poorly, it usually tends to hit the balance sheet and it's negative. Um, You'll find big write-offs. You'll find bad plays that have been drilled and not producing up to spec. Um, But for the people who do it really well, they tend to catch those bad projects and make sure that they don't deploy capital that way. And what's happening now is people are spending the profits that are coming in on share buybacks. And so you're seeing this very different approach to financing and to projects and to the balance sheet than you've ever seen before in the industry um, because so many people during COVID levered up on debt. They took on loads and loads and loads of debt. Now they're using the profitability today, current state, to pay back that debt, unlever their businesses and offload some of the debt from their balance sheet. And now they're getting back to good metrics.
1: That's interesting kind of the the conceptual side of it understanding what and why it's all happening. I guess I think about the AFE and the way that the way that I've heard you say it here, the way I'm interpreting it or hearing is that that's kind of the the gate. Like the AFE that is the all important document that that takes the money from being in the bank to you allowed to be spent. I guess is that is that true or like why where does the AFE fall in and why is it so important in oil and gas companies doing business?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. It's it's really the connective tissue from the business to engineering. So engineering can look at tens of thousands of wells, but within that velocity of how they look at those wells and where they're placed and what the costs are to actually bring the well online and produce oil. Um, It's very different for the business side, right? They have to have a commercial market for the the oil or the gas to go to. They have to have partnerships in place. Transportation needs to be there. So the AFE is the culmination of the world of engineering and the world of the business, how to operate the business. And so just because you can put 10,000 wells into a basin doesn't mean you should put 10,000 wells into a basin. And so the business is really charged with understanding the economics behind those wells picking and prioritizing the best producing wells, and then capitalizing on that by funding those projects and bringing those wells onto the market. And this can be not only just for oil and gas wells. This is for midstream companies. They use it for new pipelines. They use it for uh, downstream companies for capital improvements on their facilities. The AFE is the connective tissue between engineering and business. And so...
2: And it, it has to be a live tool, right? I mean, I think that's the challenge that we've heard when we talk to organizations about their current process. It's that they're working in these different siloed systems. They don't have that real-time visibility across all those different functions that you described, the you know, accounting, engineering, operations, legal, et cetera. Nothing's live. Uh, no, you know, without a, a, a tool to facilitate that, the information becomes instantly dated.
3: That's exactly right. I mean, if you if you look back at history... Henry Ford had just completed the assembly line. It was a brand new thing. Oil and gas was really in its beginning infancy in the United States, and so he influenced dramatically the way that oil and gas operations was set up to begin with. Highly skilled people in highly skilled roles doing very siloed activities, just like Henry Ford's assembly line. And so you still see that today. Companies that are operating at scale, you can spend your entire career at a super major as a project manager and manage four projects right? Huge scale, very specific skill sets, doing the same things day in and day out. So sometimes it's difficult to get people to communicate across those lines of service, those boundaries without a good technology that allows them to do that, that empowers them to do that and look into the projects themselves and start making better decisions from any part of the business.
1: Yeah. And I was, I was thinking as, as you both were talking about, we're talking about 10,000 wells right now as is this, is this hypothetical example. And there are companies with, with 100,000 wells out there. And one big question and, and things you hear others talk about is, of those 100,000 wells or those 10,000 wells, which are the most profitable? And it's really hard to be able to walk up to even the engineers that are in charge of those wells and to be able to get that number. But as we talk about making these digital and live and and something that you have at your hands and is a process that you're continually monitoring, now you can all of a sudden say, okay, let's pull up the 10 most profitable wells. And it's a lot easier to look at the balance sheet and predict which ones are going to be good.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. And the problem with uh, the way things are done today And the reason why this solution in partnership with Appian is so important to the industry is because no one is waking up in the morning thinking to themselves, boy, am I excited to do an AFE today. (laughs) They're, They're not. It's cumbersome. It's clumsy. Most of it is done in Excel. You have to communicate across so many different peoples, across so many lines of service, land, drilling, production, production management. Everything you can possibly imagine. So it's just, it's clumsy and it's clunky unless you have a technology tool that enables you to put it together in the way that you want to, in the, in the language that you speak. Able to capture the detail on the engineering side, able to coerce it into the general ledger accounting code for the accountants to review, and then getting into a management landscape where they can see the return on investment and make decisions in real time, That's the problem with a lot of operations today. In geology, you guys have looked at the well a hundred thousand different ways before it gets to the AFE. It shouldn't be difficult to put together the AFE, but it's because you gotta communicate with so many different people, it slows everything down. And so we have seen clients where it takes six weeks to create the AFE and another six weeks to approve the AFE. And 12 weeks in oil and gas can mean the difference between a profitable well and an unprofitable well. And so in a lot of cases, that timing, is critical to running your business accurately. So we have seen clients where you've taken that timeline, post solution, you're now creating an AFE in three days and getting it approved in three days. Because in one platform, you've got your delegation of authority, you've got your workflow process, you've got the engineers, the accountants, and upper management all looking through the same information in a way that they like to see it in an electronic dashboard. They can approve it from their phone, while they're in flight, you know, if they need to, so they
1: can keep operations moving forward. Wow. So, I, I want to go on, on this a little bit. When you mentioned the 12-week timeline, this, I think, is important because 12 weeks, now we're talking about really a, a, a quarter of the year. And I, I feel like I read the morning brew every morning and about every quarter you see okay what what's the Fed gonna do with interest rates. So I feel like this quarterly time scale is very difficult to be making decisions on. And as we've seen with inflation and with debt right now, we're we're kind of at this crossroads or at this this spot where we we don't really know what to do. So I guess all of that is a roundabout way to ask the question, do we have an issue with debt right now in oil and gas? Is there is there some type of crisis that we have and a different way we should be handling our books, so to speak, in the future? Yeah, undoubtedly. there There's
3: absolutely a debt crisis in oil and gas right now. So if you look at especially independent, upstream oil and gas operators, They have traditionally um, gone out of business in the past when down cycles hit, they reorganize, they come up with a new title for their business, and then they come back online with new shareholders, but typically the same management company. And so, what's going on right now is that private equity investment, venture capital investment, public markets are steering away from oil and gas, and it's only going to be through energy transition and embracing the energy transition that shareholders, private equity, venture capital is going to be moving back into the space. But so much of that is organized around financial management. Do investors trust these companies with their money to go and profitably produce commodities and bring them to market and to do it in an evergreening way? Uh, because most private equity investment companies today will not directly invest in oil and gas. They're going to mix it with uh, solar. They're going to mix it with wind and create a portfolio. And that means that within that portfolio, in a limited capital environment, oil and gas is getting less and less because solar and wind and other resources are getting more. And so just by virtue of that fact, um, it's drying up for oil and gas in a lot of ways. And it's only going to be if they have really, really sharp focus on the financials and managing their debt and using the AFE process to the best of their ability and having a good AFE process, that is gonna that's gonna help to bring back shareholders into the fold. And no one is watching that more than right now when commodity prices are high.
1: Yeah. And I think there's there's a really good point that you make there and something that I'm cognizant of that most most renewable energies have a lower rate of return they're in general a, a a long and steady investment so you may have a it's basically comparison of of stocks in a good in a good environment in a bull market versus mutual funds and and one of the ways to increase your profitability in renewables is to have good books and a good probably a good AFE process and being able to manage and efficiently produce that power and cut down costs in a safe, efficient manner. So I guess how do you see, I would see that as just being this necessary portion, making the AFEs better and utilizing those to see where you can start reducing costs and increasing efficiencies.
3: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's all about controls, right? It's all about making sure that the right controls are in place so you don't create bad assets, right? And it's, that's a very simplified version of the world, I know, but that's, that's what it's all about. That's what the AAP process does, is it, it helps upper management decide where should we invest
1: and how should we create the most shareholder value. Yeah. So just forward-looking here, not investment advice, but forward-looking statements. <laughs> how do you see more in general? We see the value of the AFE and understanding the process. In general, how do you think all of this conversation we've been going around and the the processes in oil and gas as as oil and gas starts investing in and taking over more renewable projects, how do you see that either supporting or or even potentially hindering the energy transition in the next five, 10, 20 years?
3: So I think the energy transition's interesting, right? And I think that a lot of oil and gas companies understand that investing in solar and wind and hydroelectric and carbon capture technology, it's really based on how the government is giving them subsidies to walk into these types of projects. The subsidies for domestic oil and gas exploration really got cut out in a lot of the last couple of legislative actions that have passed. Um, The incentive for exploration in the United States for oil and gas has gone away in a lot of cases. Um, There used to be a way to write off your exploration programs. A lot of that has dried up and gone away. Um, So they're being forced to consider other technologies. But as they are transitioning into developing new types of projects, because the projects that are being developed today, the skills are very transferable to building, right? They understand infrastructure, they understand the leasing, they understand how to bring things to market. And so that is a fantastic skill set, which enables them to get into wind and solar and all kinds of different projects and be successful. If those projects can be economically competitive with generally drilling oil and gas wells. And the reason why Appian's got it right and what they're doing is because the future of oil and gas is going to look very different. It's less people overall. It's more production and it's more profitable operations. And leaning down operations happens in a couple of ways, usually during a downturn, right? People are gonna be let go, there's natural attrition. But what you're seeing in general is that younger people are trending away from energy companies and they're trending towards technology companies. And the only way that we're gonna be able to reel them back into the industry and bring in some of the young guns that understand technology and wanna use and leverage emerging technologies is by helping oil and gas companies transition in the right way help them have a mission and a goal that connects with younger generations, and help them to develop the technologies that are gonna allow them to be agile and lean and informed about their decisions in the future. And I think there's a big part of having a younger generation in your business that they need to feel empowered, they need to understand why decisions are made, and Appian's platform is a great way to do that. It's uh, transparent. It allows people to connect the dots visually on a process. Who does it go to next? Who am I waiting on approval? How do I manage this project effectively? And in an environment where a lot of the um, old guard has retired or is currently retiring, there's no one around you to help you train and understand your role. uh, These platforms are going to become the most imperative investment
1: that oil and gas companies are looking at in the near future. Yeah, that's great. Now, Alexis, I have a question for you with with everything that 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 Sean was saying here and the the larger idea of seeing where you are in the process and seeing kind of empowering you with that I'm curious from that perspective do you see a way or the future of being able to almost show how your impact kind of drives a larger storyline for the company in terms of either decarbonization or something something in the process of how you can start improving the company's position as a whole
2: yeah that's a great thought Um, and we we can do that with our technology so um, in Appian every activity and every human touchpoint is auditable so if you do want to look back in a process and this is great whether you're looking for uh, someone to uh, you know praise and congratulate or to point the finger and say hey we messed this up um, somewhere along in the AFE, we, we do enable that so I like your positive spin on it that we're looking at how to celebrate people but um, yeah it's it's all auditable we can also help companies be more predictive with the way that they operate look at um, kind of lessons learned from the AFE, from um, uh, you know different decisions that were made maybe things that were missed in the process and improve in the future or even if we're talking about equipment health um, look at um you know how to be more more predictive with um with maintenance or with um kind of operational models things like that so a lot of capabilities in um, how we give that visibility across the process and really how we can help companies leverage this massive amount of, of data that organizations are now collecting
1: yep yep and i think that's such an important point and a good one to to end on is that there is so much data being produced. And even with something like the AFE process and everything that goes into that, that there's always going to be room to improve. And the more data that we can look at and see and, and understand, that's where we can start making those improvements. So thank you both for joining me on the show today. Before we sign off, is there anything else that you would like to say? Big shout out to Alexis and uh, thank you so much for the invite to
3: be on the OGGN podcast. And um, one more short take on the green energy side. I would say it's getting ever increasingly difficult to be in compliance with a lot of these like state government regulatory agencies on how you get credit for green energy. Appian's a fantastic uh, tool to use to help you understand that process and to be compliant with that and take the true credit.
2: Thanks for lending your expertise, Sean. Thanks for having us, Joe.
1: Yep, absolutely. And we'll have to dive in deeper another time when we're not when we're not holding to a schedule. So thank you again for joining me on the show today. Thank you, everybody, for listening and joining us here at NAEP. If you're enjoying all of these shows, go to OGGN.com. We've got plenty of other shows. I've got other shows. We've got so much you can listen to and learn more about our great industry. And until next time, remember to keep it low carbon and high energy. Join us again
0: next week for another low carbon, high energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.